All right, guys, welcome back to the Soccer Kakis podcast. It's been a good hot minute since we've last had a podcast, but hey, here we are again. And this time, we have our good friend, Russell, who's once again joining the show. Uh, for those of you unfamiliar with Russell, Russell's the head of marketing and strategy for La Liga here in Southeast Asia and the wider Asia-Pacific region. So thank you for joining us today's session, Russell. Thanks for having me, guys. Great to speak to you all again. More than happy to. We loved having you on board in our previous episode where we talked about the Asian sensations Kubo and Lee Kangen, you know, playing together at Real Mallorca. And coincidentally, we'll be talking about the teams that Kubo and Kangen um, have previously played for or still sort of contracted to. Or one of them is anyway. Um, mm. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. You probably guessed it from the title of this podcast. But we'll be talking about arguably the biggest game of the La Liga season, uh, El Clasico. It's Real Madrid against Barcelona. Um, and I'm coining this, alright? It's not just a, a battle between t- the two biggest teams in uh, Spanish football today. It's also uh, the ex-Everton head coach derby. So a treat for Jack, alright? I'm sorry for reducing <laughs> I forgot about this, that. guys. Eventually, Helm Goodison Pugs dugout is Carlo Ancelotti and Ronald Koeman. I mean, <laughs> of course, besides talking about Real Madrid and Barcelona, we'll also be talking about Atletico Madrid and La Real, who, may I just add, have had a really fine start to the season, even though they've really, they haven't really been scoring a lot of goals. Mm. Um, but before I get carried away, let's first discuss El Clasico. And so, gentlemen, I have this question to pose to both of you. Who do you think is going to come out victorious from this encounter? Will it be the Catalans or Los Blancos? Who wants to go first? I'll go first. Real Madrid. Next okay. question. <laughs> <laughs> no, Why? I mean... Why? You, you have to be at least a little bit more confident in Real Madrid given the, their form going into this game. I mean... To be completely fair, Barcelona are coming, going into this game on the back of two wins. They beat Valencia last weekend. They beat uh, Dimo Kiev today. They didn't necessarily look all that convincing in either of those games. But, <laughs> I mean, they're coming in on the back of two wins. Just the converse of Real Madrid coming in off of a 5-0 thumping of Shakhtar when someone other than Karim Benzema has finally st- scored goals. And it sort of seems like they had enough time to put the Sheriff game in their rear mirror to the point where you sort of have to feel confident in Real Madrid going into this. Fair, fair answer. What about you, Russell? I think, you know, having seen quite a lot of El Clasicos in my lifetime, I think something that um, I was reminded of, of something that Tony Cruz just said in, in one of the interviews for El Clasico, he was actually saying that, um, you know, the performances of the teams before the game, uh, the current standings, the current points, they actually don't really matter, right? As much as we can look at how, you know, Real came off a final jobbing, but even Ancelotti himself said, right, that this game against Barca is completely different. So I think it's not that simple to really just say, oh, you know, based on their current standings, this is this is what we're going to expect. Um, you know, we talk, we, we read a lot and we hear a lot about common struggles in Barca. We hear about, um, you know, obviously Real Madrid being, I think, you know, devastating in their attack, much like what we've seen in that final drubbing. But it 
I think it might come close. I I don't know why. I just have that inkling that that it might be a bit close. Sure, I anticipate Real aging it, but I don't believe it's going to be um you know like a landslide victory. Much like I think many people would expect. I think because when the Catalans enter the pitch, you know it's not going to be um a mindset in which they are going to just give it up and just roll over and, and let you know Los Blancos just um, ram them by but I think they're going mm. to really put in their fight and, and if any game is going to to change the season and, and as we have seen before right El Clasicos are typically the ones to do that if Barca beats Real they gain a confidence unlike any other and that gives them the impetus or the impetus sorry to, to really continue on a, on a good level and similarly We've seen also El Clasico leading to the ends of many careers, including obviously more um, prominently the managers, right? So I think it's going to be quite an exciting game. So yeah, that's that's my prediction. Interesting. Uh, well, I mean, I'm I'm just going to say this, and I'm going to give the quote-unquote boring answer and say that it's probably going to end up in the draw. Um, the reason why I say this is because um, there's there's nothing I'm I'm saying this on no grounds by the way there's no basis for 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 my explanation but I I really just want to see a team uh, other than Barcelona or Real Madrid win the title again and if it's any season to do it, it it's this season you know when both teams are sort of going through a transition. Um, it was that being said though, um, oh that's true. I mean, Atletico Madrid won it, but <laughs> I guess we'll be talking about them in. In, in a little bit um, but I guess going more into specifics you know talking about both teams in the lead up to this game you know one one player that sort of uh, caught my attention against uh, Shakhtar Donetsk was uh, you know Fulham Mendy who's returned to the side after a good what six months is it Jack? Uh, something six like months that. 14 days I think he got like injured near something. the end of last season and he hasn't started the season since so it's down now but he's playing off back yeah, mm. and I guess that sort of uh, introduces an interesting paradigm because David Alaba, for all intents and purposes, was brought in to, you know, sort of replace Sergio Ramos. Um, I mean, I, let's call it spade a spade. That's that's what he was meant to do. He was supposed to come in as a centre-back, um, mm. essentially. But due to, you know, that left-back position being sort of... Um, Unfilled because of Alan Mendy's absence, you know, he's he's had to play there from time to time. Um, they've called on this twenty-year-old kid, uh, whose name escapes my mind, uh, to play in the left-back position. But now, you know, with Alan Mendy back into the picture, I don't know whether he's going to start against Barcelona. Maybe not. Maybe he would. But he did have a pretty good game against Raksa. So you know, it's pointing towards positive signs for Real Madrid, at least in that department. Uh, thoughts, mm. guys. I'm trying to look up that kid that you were talking about who played left back. Oh, because okay. that's gonna bother me too. Because I think I know. Who <laughs> What's his name? Yeah. Gutierrez or something? If I'm not mistaken. Miguel Gutierrez. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that's yeah. right. Miguel Gutierrez. Yeah. A lot of people around you think really highly of him. Kid from. I think uh, both teams have well, many, many top talents that have broken through the first team, I think. Yeah, yeah. For sure. I mean, I guess uh, 
given uh, you know Barcelona's recent financial struggles, they are more or less forced to look into mm. the academy. You know, Barcelona B, La Masaya. It's mm. it's 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 good for 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 you know the youth academy players who once upon a time you know have been not sort of looked at as, as an option or for for at least in recent years you know a number of kids have yeah escaped the system and gone on to other clubs so you're right in that sense mm-hmm. um but at least from a real madrid standpoint i think uh defensively that it's going to be a bit interesting if Ferland Mendy starts whether or not he starts against barcelona that's a different thing because after not playing for you know more than 6 months um i would think Carlo and Chilotti would uh, ease him into the squad as opposed to uh you know throwing him in game after game so yep, i don't know whether sure. he would start but yeah you know Um, they probably still have a way to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. might be protective I think he, of him. Yes, Jack, you were saying. Sorry, <laughs> I think he would eh? be protective of him. But on the other hand, Real Madrid's defense, in certain instances, I know not in all games, but in certain instances, it hasn't been all that great. I mean, mm-hmm. individually, Eder Militao and Nacho Fernandez are both pretty good players. Nacho Fernandez was very, was really good last season, but yeah. together, it hasn't really quite gelled. Mainly because. You know they're not Sergio Ramos and Rafael Varane, <laughs> yeah. So yeah. throwing Alaba in at center back is more experienced head, who is obviously a very good positional defender, could maybe ease some of those concerns, especially when they're going to be going up against two. Well, if I assume Ronald Koeman's going to play how Ronald Koeman usually plays, they're going to be going up against two fairly physical forwards, Memphis Depay and Luke Dion. So having mm. David Alaba next to one of Nacho Fernandez or Eder Militao might be more helpful with the center of defense, and then you play Ferran Mendy at left back, who's a very good defensive left back in his own right. But it is a question of how fit is he actually playing? You know, midweek against Shakhtar in a game that you're expected to dominate is completely different than playing at the weekend against Barcelona in mm. Catalonia. So, I guess it's sort of the you know the mental calculus that Carlo Ancelotti has to make between now and Sunday. I mean, he could play a three-man defense, right? It's not. I mean, to be fair, it's not like Barca's attack seems to be the sharpest tool in the shed at this point. I mean, to to, to almost minute figure uh, literally, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I think Zidane did that a bit last season, playing a three-man defense with Ferran Mendy as a center mm-hmm. back. So yeah, I mean. Ferran Mendy is not the greatest attacking player, but he's mainly known as being a very solid positional defender. So it worked last season. It could definitely work in this case this season. So it gives him, it gives Ancelotti a bit more when it comes to his tactical options having Ferran Mendy fit. So is it is it fair to say that Ferran uh, Mendy is the French Aaron Van Bissaka but plays on the other side? <laughs> Aaron Van Bissaka wishes he was Ferran Mendy. <laughs> <laughs> okay, fair, fair. <laughs> All right, no, but um, I guess you know in, in that vein. Usually, you know, El Clasicos have have been about that midfield battle because it's it's always been a spectacle to watch. You know, some of the world's greatest talents, you know, hash it out in in in, in the midfield. Um, how's it this season when both clubs are sort of going through that transition I was talking about earlier? I think well, it's, I guess it's going to be yeah. it's going to be the old it's going to be the old gristle veterans versus the new kids on the block sort of yeah because yeah. 
Real Madrid still have Tony Kroos. They still have um, Luka Modric. They Luka still have Casemiro. They're, they're going to, you know, mm. supplant them a little bit with Eduardo Camavinga, uh, uh, Valverde. For not, I'm completely, completely blanking on Valverde. Valverde. Yes. <laughs> that. I have no idea why my mind's went blank. <laughs> but, you know, it's still mainly the the players who we saw five years ago. Whereas Barcelona, you know, Gavi's going to be starting this game. <laughs> There's zero <laughs> doubt in my mind that Gavi's going to be starting this game, even though he's 17 and has played five games in his professional career. And he's probably going to play pretty well because he's really dang good. Yes. And he's going to be playing alongside De Jong, who experienced but still fairly young. And Pedri, I think, is still out injured. But if Pedri was healthy, Pedri would be playing. Mm. And I guess they're going to throw Busquets in there because they don't have another defensive midfielder. But it is mostly a sort of new kids on the block feel for Barcelona. And it still has the potential to be a very interesting midfield battle just because of how good Gavi has been since he came into the first team. Yeah, for sure. I think if... I think Kamavinga might might make an appearance as well. Like, just purely looking at the trend of of how Ancelotti has been using him. So, mm. you know, if we do see that happening, you're going to be seeing maybe the matchup against Gavi and Kamavinga, like sort of in the middle of the park, right? Where, um, yeah. and two of them are in fact kind of shortlisted for the Golden Boy Award, right? So it's imagining two Golden Boys kind of fighting for for the, for the award in the middle of, of the biggest game in football. I think that's something that'll be quite interesting. Yeah, yeah. You know, I, I guess in in that sense, and also, uh, you know, to to sort of go down go down the field per se. But what about Barcelona's defense? You know, they're going to be up against you know Karim Benzema uh, and Vinicius, I suppose. But I, I think you know, let's take a moment and appreciate Benzema for a second because this man, right, as old as he is has been scoring goal after goal. In fact, he scored 11 goals in 11 games in all appearances, if I'm not mistaken. Jack, please uh, mm. correct me if I'm wrong, but I... I believe that's right. That's I want right, to say right? three goals yeah. and assists in the league so far. Or eight yeah, goals so, and seven yeah. assists. Man's on fire, you know? And often, it's always been a case where he's sort of had to share that limelight, per se with either Ronaldo, Messi or whoever's playing on either side but you know I dare say and you guys feel free to correct me if I'm wrong but Benzema's probably the biggest name uh, in terms of I guess quote-unquote experience or hot form as things stand I mean out of all the players from, from both sides and I think he's going to be the man to watch in this fixture primarily because he has the momentum going forward into this game. I mean, I'll sure. go one think... step beyond that. Yeah. He's... Sorry, Russell, I interrupted you. <laughs> no, no, go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> I was going to say, I'll go one step beyond that. I think he's the best player in La Liga. And on form, there's maybe only one other player in the world he can say is Alan at his level or beyond his level, and that's Salah. So, not only is he the guy to watch this game, he is right now one of the best players in the world. 
And if there is, you know, a post Lionel Messi star in La Liga, it's Karen Bezma. Now, we're going to talk about the game a little bit later, and I think there's one or two players in the game a little bit later who might have a claim at that crown. But mm. right now, it's most likely Karen Benzema. And Barcelona's defense, all you can really do is pray. <laughs> 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 the defense isn't exactly great. They were picked apart fairly easily by Atletico Madrid before the international break. And hopefully, for Barcelona's sake, Ronald Koeman's done a little bit of yelling and a little bit of reorganization between then and now. They looked... Yeah. I think that's uh, I mean, being a bit tidy against Valencia. <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, I was about to say they looked tidy, pretty good against tidy. Valencia, but no, they didn't look pretty good against Valencia. <laughs> <laughs> I think like like Valencia what we were saying, right? Score. Yeah, effectively we're looking at like a very porous kind of Barca defense versus a devastating Real Madrid attack that's not only not only features I think some of the like you said you know the, possibly the best player in La Liga at this point, but also players that are on red fire form, right? You have Vinicius, yeah. you have, um, to a certain extent, Rodrigo, who seemingly plays really well in Champions League somehow. Um, I think he just rebels in, in those things. <laughs> You're right. But, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and of course, Benzema leading the line. I mean, if, if you look at a leaky Barca defence facing against possibly one of the best attacks in the world at this point, you're going to be, I don't know, like shivering before you go onto the pitch, right? But, you know, having said that, like I said, El Clasico brings out different, uh, brings out a totally different kind of ball game, I think, within um, the mentalities of the teams. So it yeah. could be a lot less surprising or, or less according to script, you know, based on what, what we just discussed. Yeah, I know. I mean, I, I, I completely agree <coughs> with you there. Um, I'm not going to talk about United too long, but sort of just touch on United a bit. You know, you, um, no, yeah, you're going to talk about them now that now they won today, right? Yeah, that's right. You know, I mean, I'm not going to lie. I was busy doing something else when the match was happening because I was too afraid to watch. But at the moment uh, you texted me, boo, that's when I realized, uh, you know, United did it. They, they managed to come back. But you know, in in recent years, United haven't had the best of seasons. Uh, I'll be, uh, I'll be, I'll I'll call it as it is. But whenever we played against Liverpool, right, you know, we kicked it up a gear. Um, and I I do think that you know, um, I'm not comparing United and Liverpool to El Clasico right now, even though I sort of am. But I guess you're right. You know, when it comes to special matches, right, results in other games don't really matter as much because you know this game is a definitive moment in the season per se and I, I do think that mm. even though Barcelona have had struggles um, the mentality the the sort of ambiance that the game sort of carries the weight that it carries rather it mm. might make a difference in terms of uh, you know going against the natural flow of momentum per se you know you might see Barcelona Dumping Real Madrid. I don't think that's going to happen, you know, realistically speaking. But it might because end of the day, you know, it's it's hard to predict in that sense. Um, that being said, though, Jack, you're going to say something. Yeah, I think the added caveat with Real Madrid's attack, they're obviously really good on paper, but the discussion and it's been the discussion for basically ever since Ronaldo left was can someone not named Karim Benzema consistently score goals? 
And for the first mm. part of the season, yeah, someone other than Karen Benzema was consistently scoring goals because Vinicius was on fire. But then it was Villarreal lost the, the Villarreal draw, excuse me, the Sheriff loss and the Espanol loss, where Vinicius's form took an absolute nosedive. Yep. And had had the Shakhtar game not happened, and had they not scored five goals, I would be a little bit concerned about Real Madrid's attack because it felt like it was a reversion to the mean in those three games of they're not going to score unless Karen Benzema scores, which is largely why they didn't win the league last season. But if they're able to get Vinicius involved in the game, if he's able to be decisive, I mean, he's probably yeah. going against Oscar Mingueza, so <laughs> that might be easier than um, it would be against, say, Villarreal. But that's amazing I can say that. But if <laughs> the rest of the players around Benzema are playing well, Real Madrid are an incredibly dangerous team. But the issue, is, the issue has been that's not always been the case. So you don't really know which Real Madrid is going to show up on Sunday. All sure. right. I, before I ask you guys to sort of make your uh, predictions or rather lock in your predictions uh, you know, after this discussion, um, is there anything else that you want to talk about Barcelona and Real Madrid? Any other I have, I have one more thing, but Russell, if you have anything first, go right ahead. Yeah, I think, you know, we... We talk a lot about Coleman's sort of predicament in, in, in Barca, right? Where many people kind of expect that he's going to be, you know, possibly not staying there for, for the longest of times. But I yeah. think, you know, what, what I tried to do ahead of this call was actually to try to look at some of the stats that, that you know, could reveal a different picture. And it's quite surprising, mm-hmm. actually. Um, for Barca, right, they actually have the highest possession ratio that's not surprising but they also have the greatest percentage of possession accumulated in the opposition's half which means that for as much as we talk about um, a porous defense or, or blunt attack but their yeah. midfield remains solid right when we talk about you know how these new boys are are holding their own and and you know possibly even being able to compete against the likes of the veterans um, they are also the quickest to recover the ball so, I mean, it, it reminds you of shades of Dortmund, perhaps even Liverpool, right? Where they would yeah. really rush to get the ball the moment they lose it. And perhaps surprising is that they are in the top three teams who needed the fewest shots to find the back of the net. I think that is something that we don't give enough credit to, to Coleman for because I think, yes... Barca passes the ball around, right? But I think what they do is that they make sure that the pass that they make for a penetrative kind of shot will be one that counts. Mm. So, I think that's something that, you know, we don't give enough credit for. Perhaps because the front line is not the the devastating names that we we are familiar with or, or that we are accustomed to seeing. But I think just this fact alone shows that they do have that desire and, and that strength to penetrate. And a last step, they actually are in the top two on attacking build-up play. So Who's it's something. Yeah, I'm not <laughs> sure, but yeah, <laughs> perhaps, perhaps Real Madrid, Real Madrid yeah. probably. <laughs> yeah. I think the only thing that, that sets them apart would be obviously the defense, right? In that case. Yeah. 
No, I mean, so perhaps all, said all the defense will win the game for them. Yeah. What's this additional stat, Jack? I was going to add one more stat. They're third in low again, expected goals. Oh, wow. Mm. Which is not something that I knew before I looked it up two minutes ago. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, even... Okay, I mean, even if you talk about the defense, right? That defense, right? Though, um, I think it's also interesting that Madrid have actually let in more goals than Barcelona. It's simply uh, a case of Madrid outscoring Barcelona. You know, they've scored 22 goals this season. The most of any La Liga team but they've let in 10 goals so by comparison Barcelona have scored 14 let in 8 so you know it'll be interesting to see you know it'll definitely be interesting to see what happens on uh, Saturday is it? when is the 24th? Sunday. I have all oh, my Sunday my time Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. Sunday 10-15 Singapore time it's Sunday the 24th. Clearly, I have my dates and days mixed up, but... That's uh, <laughs> when all the insane games are on this week. Yeah, that's right. Sunday Sunday's <laughs> the day, guys. Sunday is the day. Blockbuster um, but Jack, Sunday. It is Blockbuster Sunday. Uh, what were you going to say, Jack? What, what, what were your final remarks on Madrid? I was sim- in the similar vein of the grizzled veteran versus the new kid on the block in defense. I think you can say that in attack with the quote-unquote star attacking player of each game. For Real Madrid, it's the Grizzle veteran and Karim Benzema. For Barcelona, it's mm. Fati. He's finally back from injury. His knees yep. are hopefully working like they used to before. I he hope so. an absolute belter against Valencia, which, which was his first start in, I think, over a year. And mm-hmm. I think him returning is a massive deal for Barcelona. Because especially in those dull games, I think it was against against Hitafe and Granada and um no it was Hitafe and um Cadiz. No, Granada and Cadiz. I'm gonna get this right now. Where Barcelona were drawn, <laughs> they they played just absolutely awfully. There was nothing going for it. A lot of it was because Memphis Defy was very isolated as a forward and all they were doing was just swinging and crosses to Lutiol and Jero Pique. And I think Hansu Fati gives them um, one other dynamic attacker who's able to combine well with Memphis Depay, who's able to combine well with Luke Dion, who's able to just get the ball and make something happen. And Barcelona, I mean, they used to have that guy in Lionel Messi, and I'm not comparing Atsupati to Lionel Messi, but they now have a dynamic player like that again. Even though he is so young, this is his moment. I guess more so than any other game he's played for Barcelona or any other big game he's played for Barcelona because I've sort of forgotten how experienced he actually is. But if Barcelona are going to be winning this game, it's going to be because of Ansu Fati in my mind. Interesting. Very interesting. You know, I, I personally, I, I'm going to watch the game only for one reason and one reason only because I I love Memphis Depay. You know, I think United did a bad job of wasting his potential and not utilizing properly to sort of uh, see what he could become. And I guess they didn't really insert a buyback clause, did they, Jack? Uh, in no, they did. They didn't did. Yeah, which is ridiculous if you ask me. Um, all things considered, though, um, I think it will be an interesting picture. So, gentlemen, I would like you guys to lock in your predictions. So, um... Jack, what do you think of this? What do you think your prediction is, sorry? Yeah. I'm gonna go... <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm interested I'm gonna to go see two what one, Russell takes. 2-1 Real Madrid. 
2-1 Real Madrid. Okay, cool. I'm interested to hear what Russell says because I suspect he might give a politically correct answer. <laughs> no, I'll, I'll, <laughs> he, he just hopes both teams have fun. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I hope no one gets injured. And everyone ends off the game with hugs and smiles and walks off happily and exchanges jerseys and all that. Well, let's not say you're uh, right. I don't think I'll make sure. Not in this they, Never mind. No, 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 exchange jerseys, but maybe there might be smiles this time because there's no Sergio Ramos, okay? <laughs> um, there's no Sergio Ramos, I, but there is Casemiro, so there might there not be a lot of smiles. Casemiro. That's a very good point, actually. <laughs> um, I think it might end up 2 2, and just because, you know, if it ends up 2 2, right? Um, good on you guys for, you know. <laughs> If you are a betting man, I suppose. <laughs> Don't do not bet. But uh my my my, my point is um it'll be interesting to see, that's that's for sure. Um moving one on. other quick thing. One other quick thing okay, before sure. we move on to LA Light Rail. There was one thing that I remembered when you guys were talking that I saw on Twitter that I went and looked up. There are a lot of tickets still available for this game. Hmm. Oh, it's surprising yeah. actually. Why what is that because of COVID or I think it's a mixture of things. I know um, the Catalan Health Authorities for the Valencia game last weekend. That was the first game where Barcelona were allowed to have 100% capacity of camera. And there were mm. over 50,000 empty seats that game. And I think it's a mixture Very of multiple things. Like, I think the city of Barcelona as well as FC Barcelona are hit a lot by the reduced amount of tourism due to COVID. Because obviously, mm. you know, the Camp Nou is mm. one of the biggest tourist attractions in world football. They're you know, they make so much off stadium tours. There are always so many groups from foreign countries who go there, especially for El Clasico. There are businesses in the United States and in Latin America that are specifically devoted for trips and hospitality plans around El Clasico, which is absolutely amazing to me. And yeah. I also think it's partially a sense of Barcelona fans sort of voting with their wallets. Like, I know they had an AGM last Saturday to talk about some fairly controversial financial plans. And yeah, it's called a resurrection meeting. Yeah, something long in Spanish. I know they're voting on <laughs> 1.5 billion euro loan for um, renovating Cap now. And yeah, this might be a semblance of some people voting with their wallet as well, because I know there's some discontent with Sean Laporte's leadership in Barcelona. And I think it's, a, it's a, a mixture of a lot of things. But the fact that we're going into an El Clasico that's not sold out when it could be sold out. This seems really wild to me. It is. Uh, I mean, I guess at least some fans and none, none of them around like uh, last season, I suppose. Um, but yeah, you know, it's strange that you mentioned that there are seats sort of um, that are going to be empty or relative tickets that haven't sold out yet because uh, a good friend of mine uh, who's the head coach of... Uh, Ankal Tigers uh, football club in Cambodia is uh, Oriel Mohedano, who I interviewed recently. He went back to Spain uh, to renew his uh, coaching license, his UEFA AU coaching license. And, you know, he said life in Spain was, because he's from Barcelona, so it was pretty much back to normal. Um, mm. So, in, in that sense, the reason why I, I, I was kind of taken aback that, you know, close to what, 50,000 tickets, you said? Check. Would, that was for the Valencia okay. game. There are 50,000 empty seats. I don't know how many total tickets are still available for El Clasico, but I'm on Barcelona's ticket website right now. And I'm looking at um, upper-level corner tickets for 99 euros each. So On Jack, Barcelona's uh, actual ticket-selling website. 
This isn't like Ticketmaster, StubHub, or any third-party site. I don't know. I don't know how it is in America, but right now in Singapore, you can sort of travel to Spain, uh, mm. quarantine-free. So I guess maybe uh, I might just. I, I, I do. I do not believe that is the case <laughs> in the United States. But I, I urge you to have some fun on Sunday. <laughs> Yeah, you should. You should. Just go. Euros. Just go now. Yeah. Just for ninety nine euros, man. <laughs> Take a budget flight. Drop in. Drop out. Yeah. Fly whatever the Singaporean version of Spirit Airlines is from Singapore to Barcelona <laughs> for God knows how much. Then I. I, I mean, I, it's a I'll, deal. I'll, I'll Two tickets on. for one hundred ninety eight euros. Yeah, it's not too bad at all. You know, not too not too bad at all. Not gonna lie, but. That being said, though, that being said, though, uh, before I start talking more nonsense about uh, me traveling the world in the next few days, um, let's talk about Atletico Madrid and La Real, um, two teams that have a real chance of actually winning the title this season. Uh, one more so than the other, but surprisingly, <laughs> right? And, um, and and the one that you mentioned as the other is the one that's currently top of the league. Exactly, you know, which is kind of. Interesting. I'm. I'm just going to put it that way. It's kind of interesting. I mean, granted, if they lose their fixture, Madrid wins. Yeah, they're going to drop to second because of uh, goal difference, or they might even drop to. They, they might drop further than second. The gap yeah, between first and eighth is five points. Yeah, and that says a lot. Uh, there are currently I mean, four teams level on seventeen points. Yeah, that's that's insane, man. <laughs> It's good though, it's good. I mean, still early days in the season, but at least we still have teams all clumped together at the top. Um, it makes it for an interesting season for uh, for sure. I mean, I guess, you know, before we touch on Atletico Madrid, let's talk about Real Sociedad, guys. I mean, who's sort of stood out for you this season? I know who stood out for me this season, but I don't know what you guys think. Uh, Russell, why don't you start first? To be fair, yeah, I think Real Sociedad has always been performing at, at a very decent level, right? I mean, especially yeah, yeah. at the starts of seasons. So, for instance, last season, I believe they were they were in the top four for quite a while. And unfortunately, obviously, they, yeah. they finished, I think, fifth, if I'm not wrong. So, we've seen a mixture of, I think, youths and veterans. I think not unlike that of Barca, but the only difference here is that if you look at Real Sociedad's youth development or their academy system, it is amazing. Like, let me give you yeah. an example. And, and the reason why I'm saying this is because I think the standouts have actually been the younger players for me. right? So for instance, um, the Real Sociedad's B team, which happens to be managed yeah. by uh, Xabi Alonso, is actually the only B team that is currently playing in La Liga Segunda, which is our second division, or what we call La Liga Smart Bank. Okay, so mm. just, just let that sit in, in your mind for a bit. And this season, you have four homegrown players that make their first team debut. And not only that, but Real Sociedad's um, sort of average age for their team is usually always the lowest. And this season, it is the lowest average age. So the interesting thing as well is that not only do these youth players or these young ones that are rising to, to the first team, do they feature for their first team but they concurrently also play for the B team so these players are getting um, the experience of you know the first the, the, the first division in La Liga 
and yeah. they are constantly getting the game time in the second division. So these ones are, I think that's something that's quite special, quite unique, right? And and if you yeah. look at maybe the the first team at this point, um, I think ten out of sixteen that played in the last game were actually coming through the club's academy. So to me, the thing that stands out for me most, right, when I when I watch them and I when I read about them and, and all, it's it's not a particular player. Obviously, if, if there's mm-hmm. one player, I would say Isak is is the one that I would watch, but. I think collectively as a team, as a club, they've really impressed me. That's that's kind of where what what I feel about them. Fair. I mean, I think I think that's 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 really fair. And um, what about you, Jack? Who sort of uh, stood out for you in that sense? Yeah, just to cap off what Russell is saying, they're sort of, they're sort of doing this Basque Cantera growth from the academy thing better than Athletic are doing right now, which is probably really bitter for a lot of Athletic fans. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's definitely. They were always a team that played really good, really attractive attacking football, and they always died out in the second half of seasons. Like I think it was two years ago, Martin Odegaard was there, and hmm. the first half of the season, Martin Odegaard was the best player in the league, arguably, and uh, Lyra were flying. Mm. And then the second half of the season, their form fell off a cliff. And then sort of the same thing happened last season, except it was sort of tied in with injuries. David Silva wasn't quite what they wanted him to be. And now David yeah. Silva is sort of just completely out of the picture. But mm. I know Alex Azak is phenomenal, wonderful, unbelievable player. He's going to fetch Real Sociedad a whole heck of a lot of money in the summer. Because <laughs> I think his release clause <laughs> is like 80 million or something now. Yeah, but, 75 million euros. 75 million that's right i know they extended yeah, it in yeah. the summer because he used to be entirely too cheap but i think <laughs> they definitely do have a single star player that is an isaac and it is one of those players that came to the academy and it's the player that i sort of hinted at being one of the players that you could argue is among the best players in the league right now and it's michael mm. the ball who yeah. i think he's their cap i believe he's their captain or i think he's at least their mm. vice captain he's one of the best attackers in the league he's coming off of an international break where he was spain's best player uh, assisted both of the goals when they beat Italy, scored the goal against France in the final of the Nations League, can play anywhere in the front three. I believe he personally turned down a move to Manchester City a few years ago when City were heavily, heavily going after him to replace Leroy Sané. Mm. Phenomenal, phenomenal, phenomenal player. Incredibly good technically, lethal goal scorer. I think he has six goals in eight games so far for La Real right now. He has Damn. the ability to turn a game on its head. And I think they're what they've lost in Martin Odegaard and what they weren't able to quite get out of David Silva they're now getting from from oh, yeah, the ball. But also it's they're a lot more practical than they were the last few years as a team. I feel like they're a lot more mature. Mm-hmm. It, it's sort of hard to quantify what I mean by that, but <laughs> <laughs> I guess it's because their defense is a lot better. Like, Littermond and Elistondo are both have both started the season really, really well. You could argue they're the best center-back pairing in La Liga right now. And it's not just this, you know, flo- free-flowing attacking football that they're known for. They have a little bit of steel and grit to them now. And I think that's mm. a massive difference from this season versus the past few seasons. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I guess... In that sense, um, what do you think would happen? Oh, well, sorry, before I get to that, but 
what about Atletico Madrid then? You know, who are they going to rely on going to this fixture? And what kind of problems do they have going forward? Because they haven't really been scoring as much goals as I think they should be scoring. But, you know, they've been getting results in their favour. Um, what's up with them? I mean, I don't know what goals you expect them to be scoring, but I'm seeing them <laughs> score more than one goal in multiple games, and that's record-breaking for a Diego Simeone team. <laughs> okay, that's fair. That's that is fair. Of. That is fair. That is fair. That is... <laughs> okay, someone as defensive-minded as uh, Diego Simeone is, okay, that's, that's very fair. That's very fair. But I guess moving forward, who who's going to be that guy? Is it still going to be Suarez? Is it going to be Joao Felix, you know? I think Joao Felix has been kind of like in and out of the team. Um, sorry, Felix, according to, to to the right way to, to pronounce his surname. Um, but Joao Felix has been... Oh, Felix. Um, sorry. Yeah, Felix. Has Portuguese. Been... Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, Portuguese, man. <laughs> Weirdest language. <laughs> I think he's, he's been in and out of the team um, quite a bit. I think um, I see memes of Diego Simone having to decide between um, Korea and um, Felish but I think mm. you know easily we've seen okay let's, let's look at the, the squad deck please it's, it's, it's crazy you have Lemar you have yeah. Carrasco you have um, Jao Felish you have Korea you have Suarez an attacking <laughs> team made of Tashkin, made of yeah. any of them exactly yeah you, made of any of them is scary enough and you add on Marcus Llorente that's perhaps going to be sitting behind them and you know it's, it's Rodrigo DePaul all that just yeah. screams danger right and I think going back to what Jack was saying earlier about how they've scored you know maybe even more than perhaps one goal for, for some games um, an interesting fact here again is that they are one out of three teams that have actually unleashed the most shots at goal which is something, like you said, not something that you would think um, an Atletico team, especially under Simeone, would do, right? So on one mm. end, they not only have unleashed maybe one out of three of the most shots, but they have also considered the fewest, obviously, for their defence, which is very, very in the image of a Simeone team, right? So mm. I think the, the surprising thing is, is on the attacking end, yeah. But with that, I don't know, with the players that he has, I'm not surprised really fair so I guess going to this game well number one I would like to hear what you guys think in terms of locking in your predictions uh, and what that means going forward you know for this season because imagine if Lariel win I think that's going to be insane because it's going to give them that added confidence that you know hey you know they might pull off an upset or at least finish in the top four this season because I think these early points do matter as much as some pundits might uh, disagree or might say otherwise but I think you know for teams like Real Sociedad it's important to accumulate as many points as you can isn't it? Absolutely mm-hmm. and when you can take points off of a team who's going to be there they're about to the end of the season no matter what yeah. they've done, it's still kind of important. I think mm-hmm. for like a Madrid attack, Jafelish is obviously the player who gets who everyone talks about. Who everyone says, "Oh, he needs to leave." At like a Madrid, they're ruining him. 
I think, <laughs> I mean, to a certain extent, he doesn't quite fit in there. And, you know, the memes about, you know, should he play Felix or Correa? To be fair, I know Correa is really good. Mm. And he's coming off of his best professional season ever. So it, it's a lot harder of a decision than people make it out to be. But Felix was really good against Barcelona. He was phenomenal against Barcelona. He was, I would say he was pretty good against Liverpool. I think Aleko played pretty well against Liverpool and were fairly... I wouldn't say unlucky because it was largely their own fault that they lost, but I don't necessarily think they put out a bad performance for themselves against Liverpool. I think the key for them going forward is going to be Tom Lamar, which mm. every time I say it, it's still baffling to me that we're not that long ago away from their own fans whistling him, and he's now maybe their best player. And mm. just how he's able to carry the ball forward, to link midfield to attack together, to be dangerous and exploit teams' weaknesses. He gave Oscar Mingueza a hell that whole game against Barcelona. And it was a game that like Madrid only scored two goals. They probably should have had four or five. So his ability to put out a really good performance, especially because I believe Marcus Llorente is injured. He won't be playing. So the ability for Tomo Lamar to play really, really well against La Real is going to be very crucial. And the ability for their defense to not be as bad as they were against Liverpool is going to be really crucial for them to beat La Real. For yeah. a prediction, maybe it's just because I've watched too many Cholo Simeone games that I think this is going to end up as a 1-1 draw. <laughs> Interesting. But, okay. Yeah. What about you, Russell? 1-1 yeah. draw. I, somehow... I keep having the same prediction as Jack, but yeah, I was going for a one-one draw as well. Interesting. Or it's just gonna All it's right. just gonna be a one-no win, and I'm gonna send you a picture of of uh, Yano Block smiling at the end of it because he made 14 <laughs> saves or something ridiculous <laughs> like that. Do you, do you see a situation where Lariel come come away with the win? Oh yeah, absolutely. Do you see a situation? Yeah. Oh yeah, hundred percent. They can definitely do it. I mean, okay, I would at least lean towards the more experienced team, the more the team that's more experienced in playing in big games, because with L'Oreal, with how they've performed over the last two seasons, it feels like we're gonna, you know, respect Real's ability to challenge for a title once they show us they have the ability to challenge for a title, and once they show us they have the ability to win these big games. So, if they win this game, that's gonna go an awful long way for me when it comes to saying they can actually go in and beat Barcelona or Real Madrid or win a big game in the future. So, mm. I don't necessarily think they're going to do it because I more fancy the more experienced LA Madrid team and I also believe they're playing at home as well. Yes, I believe they are. Yes, they are. Mm. But, yeah, they can certainly do it. They're definitely good enough to win this game. Interesting. Okay. I mean, if... if, if... That's the case. Then I would want to say, you know, because I'm, you know, I'm not gonna say one-one draw because that's not gonna make for interesting uh, uh, podcast material. I I I'm feeling that you know, La Real might pull up pull off an upset, you know, and Isaac's the player that's sort of gonna score thunderous volley points and so like a really spectacular <laughs> goal because you probably need to score those kind of goals against a man like you know block you know mm. probably and so you mm. you i i would want to see something exciting like that uh, you know happen and i hope it, there's more than one goal in this fixture i hope there's more than one goal in both fixtures um 
before we sort of conclude, um, is there anything else that either of you guys want to say for either fixture? I mean, I think, like you said, or like what we've discussed, I think both games could go either way, which makes yeah. them all the more attractive, right? And, and I think that's, yeah. in some sense, the beauty of of the league, in, especially so for this season, as we talked about, where, yeah. you know, it it's no one's game every time you enter into into whichever matchup, right? And I think um, the fact that El Clasico is at 10-15, although it's a Sunday, but, you know, it's something that I think for, for all of us who miss watching football, you know, it could be something that you, I don't know, almost like a Netflix and chill kind of thing with your friends, where you guys can watch yeah. at home together and like kind of talk about it and make it something a bit more fun. Um, unfortunately, the the La Real Atletico game is at three, but, you know, it's definitely going to attract a lot of people to, to somehow stay up or, or wake up for it. So yeah, hopefully, you know, the games make it worth, worth the time, right? So, yeah. Yeah. No, I, I completely agree. Sorry, Jay, you were saying? It definitely, it definitely shows the balance in La Liga that El Clasico is not the Spanish time primetime game. Like, in that primetime night slot, is going to be for us to see that, not like on Madrid. Because theoretically, that has more to do with the title race than El Clasico does. And that sort of shows how balanced the league is. Like, you're looking through the top, you know, six, seven teams in the league, and they're all pretty good teams, and they got some pretty good players on them. That's definitely a yeah. major attraction when it comes to watching La Liga, especially in the post-Messi and Ronaldo era. Maybe that, you know, global star power isn't there, but there are some really dang good players in the league, and there are some really dang good teams. Yeah, yeah, you're not wrong, you're not wrong at all. Um, I guess on that note, if there's nothing else that either of you want to add, is there anything else? Once? Twice? <laughs> so, you know, to sort of conclude, um, if you're living in Singapore, this is the... As Russell put it uh, via text message to me, but this is probably one of the El Clasicos that's very Asian-friendly, Asian-time-friendly, rather. Mm. Um, you know, stand 15pm, you know, if you have the chance to catch it you should catch it because there's no excuse <laughs> it used to be a case where you know matches are at 3am and then we ah, do I wake up for this or do I go to work but uh, you know you, you, you can at least watch the first half if uh, if you have something on early Monday morning but definitely definitely something to to, to, to catch if you can um, and I think as we've mentioned and I'll reiterate this for the last time it can go either way either fixture um, there's a lot of potential in both teams there's a lot of quality all across the pitch and I think it's it's high time we start paying attention to other leagues than the Premier League um, that goes to uh, that's uh, advice to myself as well um, even though I've been watching a lot of Singapore Premier League this season but <laughs> you know I think the La Liga has a lot of promise the La Liga is um is surprisingly to me more interesting now that Messi is no longer at Barcelona and that's just my opinion but um, I do think it's it's a league that's often overlooked in the shadow of the Premier League only because uh, you know players are a bit unfamiliar and whatnot but it's time for, for people to start and where better to start than El Clasico there are new names there are old names you know there's people sort of in between um it will be an 
thrilling encounter, or at least you hope it will be. You know, the last thing we all want is it for for it to be a drab zero zero affair, nil nil affair. You know, no one no one wants that. No one wants that at all. And uh, I guess the same goes for Atletico Madrid and Real Sociedad. You have some of the youngest, exciting talents in the world right now. Joao Felix. Did I pronounce that correctly? I hope I did. Sorry, Portuguese people. And you know, <laughs> close enough. Uh, uh, close enough. <laughs> close enough. And Alex Isak. Um, you know, two of the best. I mean, two players who probably, who potentially, may not be at their clubs next season. Maybe Joao Felix would be there, but. I, I think Isak's probably gonna go somewhere, and he might go to a club like United, cause uh, I think yes, club like United that's would what do Manchester well. United needs yet another. That's right. We we don't need a central defensive midfielder apparently. No, 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 right. not Mikel Moreno, <laughs> okay. not Arthur Stundo, not not Ewers <laughs> Beldia. No, we are going just uh, Alex Isak from Real Sociedad. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Okay. Okay. Before I start uh, talking too much about United. Um, Thank you once again for listening in. This has been Vikram. This has been Jack. And Russell. That's right. And <laughs> we are the Soccer Kaki's podcast team. Thank you guys. And thank you once again, Russell, for joining us on this um, wonderful episode where we've talked about arguably the biggest game in the La Liga season. Thanks a lot for having me. Anytime, man. And uh, you'll see Russell sometime soon because there'll be much more things to talk about La Liga in the coming months, coming weeks. Who knows? We, we, don't, we don't plan for things like this. <laughs> <laughs> there will at least be one more El Clasico this season. That is true. Yeah. That is true. That is true. All right. So until then, guys, uh, see you guys in the next episode. Cheers, guys. See Bye, you. Bye-bye.